Section 15 of the Treatises of Benvenuto Cellini on Goldsmithing and Sculpture by Benvenuto Cellini, translated by C. R. Ashby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Treatise on Goldsmithing, Chapter 14 How to Make Steel Dies for Stamping Coins. Since the art of the coiner can teach the elements of stamping medals in methods similar to those of the ancients, we will treat of that art first you must bear in mind that the ancients though they made their coins for use undoubtedly made their medals for show and as regards the former we moderns may pride ourselves on being able to produce them with greater facility and that like the printing of books and many such-like arts it is a discovery of ours which though it be out of my scope to speak of them here i may have occasion to touch on elsewhere as to the coins i shall according to my usual custom speak with actual instances of the methods i have myself wrought in the first coins i made were for pope clement the seventh in rome who summoned me to come to him from florence some eighteen months after the great sack of rome by the lord of bourbon and since the house of medici was at that time expelled from florence the Pope sent for me by the hand of Master Jacopo dello Schiorina. Footnote. See the Vita, Simmons, Book 1, 42. End footnote. The same that kept the ferry across the Tiber by the Banchi in Trestoveri, not far from the palace of Messer Agostino Chigi. This Master Jacopo wrote me twice on the Pope's account. When I got the second letter, I made off as fast as I could, for of a truth those terrible radicals footnote, terribilissimi popolani, and footnote, in power, then would have hanged me had they found it on me. Pope Clement, when I came, treated me with the most winning kindnesses, and ordered me to make the coins for his city and mint in Rome. The first coins I made were gold pieces, worth about two ducats each, on which were stamped figures of diverse sort. On the one was the form of a nude Christ, his hands bound behind him, done with all the care and study I was capable of. Down the sides of the figure ran the legend, Ecce Homo, and around the circumference the words, Clemens the Seventh, Pont Max, while on the other side was stamped the head of the Pope. A new occasion soon offered itself. Though I don't want to write a chronicle of events, and though I was not directly affected by them, I can't help touching upon them slightly. What the current talk in Rome was at the time, I don't need to dwell on. Any man with a head on his shoulders may easily imagine that for himself. The second coin, a beauty, was likewise of gold, and a two-ducat prince, on one side was a pope in his pontifical robes, and an emperor also in his regalia. The two were supporting a cross which was in the act of falling to the ground. I forget if there was a legend on this side, but on the other were a St. Paul and a St. Peter in more than half-relief, with this legend around them. Unus spiritus, una fides erat in eis this coin brought me much honour for i put great labour into it 
as the pope put more gold into it than its value warranted it soon was melted down again a third coin of my making was in silver of the value of two carlins on the one side of which was the head of the pope and on the other side a saint peter just the moment after he has plunged into the sea at the call of christ and christ stretches out his hand to him in most pleasing wise and the legend to this was quare dubitasti in florence likewise did i make all the monies for duke alexander the first of that name there were forty soldi pieces and because the duke was curly-headed the people called these coins the duke's curls footnote ricci del duca alexandro End footnote. on one side was his head and on the other saint cosmo and saint damien in like manner did i make the coins called barile and grossone as i said above the ancients had not the facilities for stamping coins we have and therefore we never see any of the beautiful sort footnote meaning in the way cellini describes them End footnote. for coins should be made or rather their dies with the purpose of striking with the greatest ease to begin with two steel tools are needed one called the peeler and the other the torsello the peeler is in the form of a small stake or anvil upon which the metal you wish to press is cut in intaglio the other tool the torsello is about five fingers high its face being the size of your coin and it gradually tapers off toward the end both peeler and torsello are made of carefully chosen iron with their heads covered in the finest steel about one finger thick with his file the master gives them whatever shape and size his coin may need then he makes a concoction of earth powdered glass soot from the chimney and bowl of armenia footnote terra di bolo armenio red earth that was and is used in gilding grounds etc End footnote. adds a little horse dung to this mixes it all up into a paste with a man's urine and puts it on to the ends of the peeler and the torsello to the thickness of about a finger these he then puts into the fire which should be strong enough to raise them to bright redness footnote riquo carno End footnote. keeping the fire up for say a good winter's night he then lets them cool down by allowing the fire to go out footnote cellini's method of hardening differs from that of theophilus the latter in describing the tempering of files book three chapter seventeen practically employs animal charcoal to case harden his metal End footnote. the exact size of the coins is now given to the ends of the dies barring about half the thickness of a knife's back all round the circumference and the face of each is then ground on a soft polished stone until both peeler and torsello are absolutely smooth then with the compasses the exact size of the coin is drawn upon them and also with another pair of compasses 
the circumference of the letters that form the legend round is marked in order that these compasses should not shift about a pair should be specially made of thick steel wire and of the exact size needed it is best to have at least two pairs of each kind and also one pair that will open and shut as you please when this is done the peeler is firmly set in a big lump of lead of at least a hundred pounds in weight after this you can proceed to the engraving of your coin on the die footnote cellini uses the words stampare and intagliare in their generic as well as their specific sense End footnote. you very carefully cut upon the finest steel your design e g the head of whatever prince you are serving and in order to do this nicely you must first have your steel well softened in the fire in the way i showed you the peeler and torcello were only take heed that your tool is of the very finest steel and the tools with which you work have to be made specially for the purpose thus for a head i should make the tool in two pieces and for the various figures on the reverse of a coin i should use a number of different pieces according to my discretion some have worked with very few but in so doing have much greater difficulty in sinking the design into the die the more such pieces you have the easier it becomes but you must always give great care in the combination of your punches and this combining is done while the master is engaged in cutting the intaglios by taking frequent impressions on a piece of polished tin to which you can give the right circumference with your compasses until you get the results you wish the tools used for this purpose have two names in some instances they are called punzoni punches and in other cases madre matrices and of a truth they are the mothers that may be said to beget the figures and all the other things you fashion in the die of your coins footnote what we should call engraved punches End footnote. the men who did the best work in coining always did the whole of the work upon either the punches or the matrices and never once touched up the dies with either gravers or chisels for that would be a great blunder as all the various dies necessary for making many impressions of the same coins would be a bit different and thus cause slight differences in the coins themselves and that would be making things easy for forgers whereas coins well wrought in the way above described could be less easily copied but i must return to you dear reader where i left off above with the peeler stuck in the lead take your madre or punches and since it almost always is a prince's head that is cut into the peeler set to with the first piece of your combination and fitting each into its place strike it a blow with the hammer and lift hand and tool up as smartly and rapidly as you brought them down for if the madre shift even but ever so slightly it will tend to blur your work in like manner add the limbs and the heads of your figures in such wise as your craft and your experience shall teach you and so on similarly any other things coats of arms devices beautiful alphabets the beading for the coin's border 
till all are well fashioned in both Pila and Torcello. And since I should omit nothing for your better guidance, know that the hammer needful for stamping in the larger madre, such, for instance, as a head would need, ought to weigh about four pounds, while those requisite for the smaller punches may weigh less. Those for the smallest of all, for the beading, for instance, may be very tiny, each according. When the sinking by both peeler and torcello is completed, set to and file off the superfluous margin right up to your border of beading. See that it is strongly blunted. Footnote. Bolso forte. This might be strongly backed, i.e. the reverse of undercut. End footnote. Where you have filed it towards the beading, for without this your dye would spoil and quickly perish, but where it is blunted it will not spoil. Then set to and temper your steel. Footnote. Cellini's description is not very clear. See note, pages 68 and 74. End footnote. To this end you heat it and let it glow, neither too much nor too little, but just sufficient to temper it aright. And, for as much as in the tempering a film is formed that would tend to spoil your fair impression, you must take great care to prevent it. As we say in the craft, the dyes should be rosso appunto, to the point of redness, neither more nor less. And to make them so, you do this. You take some clean iron scale, footnote, scaglia, perhaps fine oxide of iron. Professor Roberts Austin suggests that this may have been what is now called rouge, end footnote, and place it on a board, and then rub peeler and torcello alike on this until they're thoroughly bright, and the film quite gone from them. And in the same manner may you afterwards brighten your coins, and, another little hint, you clean out the deeper parts of your dies with pieces of pointed cork, tipped with iron scale, and then everything is done, and you can give your dies to the stamper at the mint. I must not forget to tell you, as I promised, how it was that the ancients never turned their coins out as well as we, and the reason of it was because they cut their dies out direct with goldsmith's tools, ravers, chisels, punches, and that was very difficult for them to do, especially as the mints needed a large number of these dyes, Pile and Torcelli. I need give you but one instance of what I mean, gentle reader, and you will see how right I am. On one occasion, when I was making the dyes for Pope Clement in Rome, I had to turn out thirty of these iron Pile and Torcelli in one day, had I gone to work in the manner of the ancients, I could not have produced two, nor would they have been as good. Thus it was that the ancients had to employ a large number of die-cutters, and these could never do their work as well as they wished to do it, having never attained our facility. But now will I tell you of medals which the ancients made superlatively well, and whatever I may have omitted in dealing with coins— I will make up for in treating of medals, so that you shall learn all in listening to both.
End of section 15